good morning and welcome everyone to Live Grammar Sunday for November 13th, 2016. Koyo Kobosa here. So very, very glad you joined us on this Sunday after the election. <laughs> the whole country's talking about it. And uh, uh, one of our relatives called us and she was upset. Had to talk about it. So I said, gee, well, maybe I should say something. I thought to myself. So I sent out an email uh, to the family and also to our trailblazers, right uh, down lay ministers, uh, what sort of general advice, uh, which I know I've heard from a lot of ministers. Whenever anything you know, big happens that uh, uh, affects someone, affects someone you know, in a personal sense, um, well, you you concentrate and you focus on the Dharma. So I said something like that, and then the person who had called us emailed back and was saying. Because some of the family, of course, they have uh, spouses or something that are not necessarily uh, really religious. So she said, uh, my husband was saying, Dharma, what's, what is the Dharma? Or is that just, you know, for since they, they're nominal Buddhists, our extended family, uh, they're not like they're on a, not like the, Trailblazers that all the bright Donnelly ministers are really individually committed to a spiritual path. A lot of ethnic Buddhists uh, and their extended families, they're, they're uh, nominal Buddhists or they were born into a Buddhist family. And so they're not necessarily uh, on a spiritual path or they, they might not know how what the teachings really are. Even though they they would say they're Buddhists, they had to check a box or something. So I said, yeah, you know, that probably doesn't help much when you say, well, when things happen in life, turn to the Dharma. Um, So I said, oh, maybe I better say something about that. So, well, I'm looking at the email I sent, and I said, uh, Particularly when ethnic Buddhists, by this I mean, you know, Japanese American Buddhists, that they're Jodo uh, Shinshu Buddhists, they're taught to say the Nembutsu uh, is a central sort of practice. Namam Dabits. Well, gee, that, that, you know, what is the Dharma? So I, I said, well, I want to share with you a teaching that is often help me, you know, when something bad happens, quotes on bad, something so-called bad happens, I tell myself, the problem is not X, whatever X, X could stand for anything. The problem is how I deal with X. And this is sort of a, well, common sense, psychological guidance 
But it also happens to reflect the wisdom from the East. It, it always says to look within rather than to look outside for the answers. Because otherwise, if you, you know, X stands for something that so-called a bad thing that has happened to upset a person. And this teaching says, uh, don't get caught up in becoming a victim. So, ah, that's, that's not fair, that's not right, or, um, uh, gee, if only I am, you know, X happened, oh, I got an accident, I can, I'm going to lose my job, or, look, oh, I don't, I, my job really is bad, or oh, my spouse is, X stands for all these situations, life events, and uh, if we concentrate on being becoming angry and blaming and stuff, it's like we're a cork being thrown around in the angry sea. Oh, man. You know, this, and it's easy to say, but hard to do. Say, well, don't put your whole focus on uh, in terms of being caught in the dualism of why it's bad, why it's unfair. How come that happened? Or I didn't deserve that. Um, because that kind of leads to a lot of these big things that happen in life, we don't have any control over it. The same thing with election. If big things happen. Uh, so I said, well, the teaching inside or to say that X is not the problem, how I deal with X is the problem, is to say, well, uh, this is what happened. So what can I do about it? How can you make the best of it? This is very empowering if you put the focus on that. Instead of saying, concentrating on why or the external environment situations. And in fact, kind of a teaching or attitude is, is what's involved in the Japanese Buddhist saying of well, shigataganai or shogunai uh, different words but they, they mean it means you have to accept it. This is what happened. You can't do anything about it so you accept it. And you go on. This is the way it is. Now, <laughs> I mentioned that you know, when we youngsters used to hear our elders say that saying, you got to get I well, we we didn't like that word. That was a bad word for us because you know, we thought that attitude meant I, you should fight. Don't be weak. But as I wrote in my email, I said, well, we youngsters were too emotionally immature to realize that angry blaming is not really going to help. And uh, we really don't understand something really bad happens that we feel, you know, uh, we feel the emotion, and then we think that that emotion justifies the fact that uh, we should get angry. Of course, if if it's really strong, you you might use that anger, that strong emotion to justify. Why you do some maladaptive behaviors? You know, go get drunk if you're an adult, or break some furniture, or you know, start yelling at people, your 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 family members, and you feel that 
that that negative emotion you feel justifies it. Or sometimes you just don't know, you know, in a sense, you, you're uneducated. Well, you, you lack the wisdom of having experiences and a lot of experiences in life so that you get upset when things don't go go your way. Okay? Uh, we, we don't know. We never learn how else to to act. Okay? Sometimes when somebody's a bad parent or a bad, you know, and they're not really bad in the sense they don't know they don't know any alternatives. Eh? That's their family history, a dysfunctional family or something like this. Um, this is why this Japanese saying of Shigata Ganai, I think it would really show up in um, when large events like the uh, internment camp happened in World War Two internment camps, and you know the. The, the elders, they said, well, this is what happened. Okay. Let's make the best of it. Make the best of it means the same thing as, well, that's just not the problem. The real problem is not that our constitutional rights were taken away and and uh, you get incarcerated, uh, camp, internment camp. Uh, well, this is the way it is. Let me see. They would say to each other, she got to go right. Again, well, what can we do? Well, and they did make the best of it in camp. So, in terms of organizing, so a lot of artistic uh, activity happened in the camps. The sisters, they, they, they were farmers, most of them, and they, they worked hard, and now they're in camp, and well, their food is as it is, just taking care of their lodging such as it is, and of course, this doesn't condone anything at all, but when these big events, uncontrollable events happen, that's that kind of saying, or she got to get out or X is not the problem, oh, I'm going to deal with X. That's very empowering, because it puts the focus on, well, what can I do, what can we do about this? So it's, it's a really a strong acceptance, not a weak acceptance. The weak acceptance is the angry blaming, the I have to accept it. I hate strong acceptances. It's more active. It says, well, okay, this is, I, I see this is what happened. And you're emotionally mature enough or wise enough, you have enough life experiences, you're older, you say, okay, I will, I will. You can say, I choose to accept this rather than I have to. And that's the difference between uh, being a victim and having a spiritual acceptance, which really is freedom, liberation. Because it's a long life, a lot of things happen. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Blame life all for all the time? Or why you got to... Raw deal, you know, why the country <laughs> turns out that kind of election. Okay. And in a sense, another way to express this same teaching is my father, Reverend Gyome Kubosa, used to say, acceptance is transcendence, slash transcend. Um that's a very spiritual kind of acceptance. 
How do you accept? Wow. Big things. Death. Human mortality. Um, you could say, well, don't go, don't go talk calmly into the dark night or something like, you know, those sayings. Uh, this is what uh, spirituality, religion is all about. How do we deal with things? How do you... Uh, I guess when the Buddha... The most basic thing is, okay, we have these... You have to get old, you have to get sick, you have to die, and your family does too, and everything, and the people you love. What are you supposed to do? Rile against it and act it out and or become hedonistic? And, uh, well, the teaching that you got to deny is, well, hey, what am I going to do? I could, just let me, let me explore the options. Let me, okay, new perspectives. So that's just, that's just, uh, Shatagani is another way of saying, uh, the secular type of psychological, X is not the problem. The problem is how I, I deal with X. And, <laughs> It was interesting because last night we had a family get-together for a birthday. One of the family members was having a significant, the big six turning She was turning 60, so a family gathering had been planned. And, and because of this election, because of these email exchanges right there, a lot of people were talking about it. They said, oh, I... <clears throat> Gee, the Shigatagani. I remember my grandfather used to say Shogunai. Is that the same thing? So we start talking about it to to the old to the oldest persons around who might know a little bit more Japanese today. Yeah, Shogunai. Yeah, I guess it means the same thing. And then and then of course I'm kind of uh, impressed by the fact that um, normally I I would you know not talk about of teachings in the Dharma, in a family social situation. It's not, you know. But I started to copy the emails when I talked to bright dawn people who are interested in Buddhism. They're on a spiritual path. Our family members, not necessarily, as I said, they're nominal Buddhists. But because I included them in the email blast, okay, they 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 start talking about it. Had the family get-togethers, okay. and, uh, and of course, a lot, <laughs> a lot of the expressions, like last night, then it spills over into the gathering itself, uh, you know, you start playing a game or something, and you, well, you lose the game, ah, so and we laugh together, okay. it's, a, it's a way of then in a humorous way of flying these things. So I thought that was very nice. And in terms of looking at the teachings. Well, I'm going to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Paul Mack, and he was part of our LM2 group way back when, living in Missouri. He's a retired educator. And let us hear what Paul Mack has to share with us. 
Dom, your name is Toyo. Good morning. Uh, this is Paul Toyo, and my Dharma talk, Dharma Glimpse, is titled Seeing Clearly What's True. These are really two glimpses uh, about what's true, about how the Dharma affects me. The first is about a daily two-mile walk my wife and I take on the hike and bike trail that runs across Missouri and passes past our village. We've taken that walk almost every day in all weathers, enjoying the sunrise when we walk east and the sunset when we walk west. We hear many bird calls, including the screech of a hungry red-tailed hawk, the cheerful chirps of goldfinches. In fact, I once heard and then saw a rare pileated woodpecker. Think woody woodpecker, not the little downy that eats suet in your backyard. What we mostly enjoy in spring and summer, besides the woodsy silence, is the lushness of the leaves and the vines that cover the rock faces cut through so many years ago to create a railroad right-of-way that's now the bike trail. That leafiness contains so much mystery and harbors so many critters, all flying, creeping, or buzzing. What we see in the fall, though, makes me ponder what I may call the deceptiveness of that leafy cover-up. All along, a barren gray and brown rockiness was there, but hidden under the cover of green and lush and birdsong. Now nature is coming out, revealed in her spare hardness, visually preparing us for winter's hard onslaught. No more welcoming lush as we walk. Soon, walk faster, all swaddled and bundled up, unrecognizable in our woolies. But the question is, which is true? Brown and drab or green and vibrant? Maybe it depends on when you look. The second tale is about my eyes and how they have just changed. Since I was 10 years old, I've worn glasses of some kind. The first ones were glass, not shatterproof, which precluded, because of my mother's often repeated fears, my engaging in a rough-and-tumble childhood. I progressed through a large number of glasses over the years as my vision worsened mostly pretty ugly frames, including contact lenses once, which have their own problems. My vision, it seemed, had pretty much stabilized, but was becoming increasingly cloudy as I aged. Suddenly, I became eligible for a cataract surgery. That means Social Security pays. My wife, my brother, myriad others, each told me it would be a great benefit for me to allow some medical stranger to slice into me to replace a body part I knew and had come to terms with, to insert an artificial lens sure to improve my vision and hence my life going forward. So I submitted, found it not awful, and lo and behold, my 71-year-old right eye now has 20-20 vision. When I close my new right eye, Everything seen by my old left eye has a yellowish cast. My graying hair still looks pretty brown, just like I remember. But when I do the opposite and look through the new right eye and close the old left eye, my hair looks really gray, and every object I look at is really light and bright. However, I love my new right eye and I anxiously await my new left, first part of December. But my next question, as you may guess, is this. Which eye is showing me what is true? Maybe it depends on how you see. May it be so. Gasho. Wow. Yeah, that's 
pretty good, you know. I think we always have to be asking ourselves, you know, in our particular life situations. And I, and I, sometimes I always think about an experience I had uh, that helps in this kind of, you know, a teaching that helps in these kind of uh, questions or, uh, and, well, some many years ago, I, I was invited to an um, interfaith uh, retreat. It's a weekend retreat, and I was uh, representing the Buddhist participant, and um, there was a Hindu and you know, other religions there, and uh, it's in the social interaction areas that sometimes some gems or nuggets appear. And the Hindu lady, it wasn't a presentation. It wasn't, you know, a formal talk or anything. You just, we're just talking about things and, you know, topics and some. And when it comes to matters of what is true, what is right, what, um, uh, this Hindu lady said, well, it depends on, for some place and time. And uh, this was probably only a 15-second focus on that. Then, you know, everyone's talking and different things. But I never forgot that. Um, it's a nice capsule way of directing our our attitude, our thoughts to a certain way. And, of course, she was coming from a, more from a Hindu perspective, but that's where Buddhism came from, too. And we don't have to put the religious label on different teachings, necessarily. But that really helped me. And I, I said, that's right. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> such and such a uh, social moray is correct at this time in our culture. And it changes. <laughs> Everything's always changing. It depends on the person, of course. It depends upon person, place. depends on the context, the situation. What's appropriate behavior in one situation is not in another. Of course we, we act differently if we're hanging out with our friends versus we're a host for a formal event. And time, of course. It's true for me now, but not necessarily tomorrow or next year. And it, when we put it like that, we say, yeah, of course. So this is just another way of saying, hey, right understanding. First of the eightfold path. In a nice capsule thing. And I, for some place or time. And so I, I made it into, into an acronym and said PPT. And this is what right understanding Otherwise, we get stubborn or we say, hey, that's not right. That's not fair. And when we think what's true, we really mean, to, we really mean uh, what's real, what's useful. You might think about that. Because again, the words, look at the words. And I know that um, the late professor and also um, minister, Reverend uh, Leslie Kawamura, 
um, he was minister, but he chose to um, teach in the religion department at Calgary. Uh, he always one of his pet projects within his, you know, Buddhist career uh, was uh, challenging the use of the word "true." He says, "He said, truth. I don't like people. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a appropriate word in Buddhism." And I use the word "true" a lot. In fact, when a lot of times people we taught our children to say. When they were younger, uh, we thought, well, as being as a part of a religious minority in the United States, when they're among their friends at school or something, they say, oh, you're a Buddhist? Hey, what do Buddhists believe in? So we, we suggest to our children, say, Buddhists believe in the truth. Okay. Um, and, of course, we would, we would say, well, then the follow-up question would be, well, what is the truth? Right, every religion feels they have the truth. Every denomination. Okay? This is this is the it's a social political conundrum. You say, hey, this is what's true. No, 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 no. Okay, this is what's true. We got the truth. Okay? And so I, when I talked to Reverend Kamara, I said, well, see, I use the word truth a lot, but but I mean reality. That's what I mean, not the they have this this the belief system, and uh, he said, "Well, yeah, if you if by truth you mean reality, it's all right. But a lot a lot of times, that truth is such a loaded word, offsets the usefulness of it to use that term. It leads off into unfruitful discourse. Okay? So I always think about that. I still think truth is an okay word, but." I always think about this whole pet project that he had in terms of the English words and the baggage, the context. Okay? Um, and in this kind of cases, when you, if you, whether you say it's, what it's true, what's seen clearly, what is, even that is subjected to PPT, uh, person, place, and time. Even though at that cross section of time for this person and, and in this situation, it's not just the relativeness of it, it's absolute in that cross section. Okay? But knowing that perspective, the ground on which you stand and which you look at things, okay, uh, well, it all depends, doesn't it? Okay? And this is, holds true in. Well, if you want to go off into a topic, into physics and stuff too, and the relativity of time and, you know, and you look at these basic dimensions of space and time and perspective of a viewer that's looking from a particular standpoint, and you could, uh, I think uh, we are challenged when things happen to us and we have emotions involved. Uh, it's easy to say PPT, but unless you really internalize and you have struggled with these things, applying them to situations, um, that's what life is about. That's what Buddhism is about. And that was the basic core experience of how Buddhism started in terms of Siddhartha Gautama saying, hey, you know, 
seeing things happen, you know, old person, sick person, dying, dead, dead person. Hey, okay. what's going on here? bad election, <laughs> or any old so-called small thing in life that didn't go our way. Okay? It's a big thing, really. Okay? And I think the process is the same. Okay? Well, that's all for today's broadcast. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, keep going. And, of course, we have a beautiful day. Thank you. <laughs>